you join me in a word of prayer? Oh, Lord. How we so need to disconnect, Lord, from the things of this, this world, Lord. May we keep our eyes focused on you, Lord. Although difficult to do and so many distractions, Lord. We thank you that your word can direct us, Lord. We thank you that we can gather here and hear your teachings. Hear your word. We thank you for our pastors who so faithfully stand up and preach your word, Lord. The whole teachings from the Bible, Lord. Would you bless us this morning and may we receive what you have prepared already in advance for us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Good morning. Welcome. You can be seated. So glad you're here. I want to welcome those of you that are joining us online as well. We're so glad that you are. Uh, before we get started, though, I want to refer you to today's prophecy update uh, for those of you that were not here for first service, but on the website, not the uh, social media platforms uh, concerning our ongoing relief efforts for the people on the island of Maui. And the reason is, is because we could not include the censorship sensitive material on social media platforms, uh, sadly, because uh, government agencies like uh, FEMA and Red Cross have been confiscating the containers of supplies. So, um, but God, <laughs> as only he can, has his people positioned for such a time as this. And I am uh, so grateful to report to you that he is granting us success in getting the supplies to the people using some very creative uh, and alternative methods, uh, as only he can. And so uh, we're not showing any photos of containers or the number of containers because of the number on containers. So everything is done um, sort of covertly, I guess you might say, and, and they're being offloaded at undisclosed locations. I don't want to push this too far. And uh, they're being loaded into uh, trucks at undisclosed locations. And uh, they are being taken to churches and hotels. And they're getting to the people. And so please pray as God puts it on your heart. I know this has hit all of us very hard. Of course, this hits very close to home and for obvious reasons. Also, today's prophecy update was out of Psalm 37 concerning the futility of fretting or fuming over evildoers and workers of iniquity. And um, so again, I would just encourage you to, if you're interested, uh, 
If you're not, don't watch the update then. That's <laughs> all, all I can say. It's not for everyone. I get it. I get it. I know. So First John chapter 3, Lord willing, we're going to finish the chapter today. Our text is verses 19 through 24. I'll ask you to stand if you're able. If not, where you're seated is fine, but you can follow along as I read. The Apostle John continues writing. <laughs> it's, it's almost like a how we can know series. And so he continues in that way, verse 19, saying, this then is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in His presence whenever our hearts condemn us. For God is greater than our hearts, and He knows everything. <laughs> Dear friends, verse 21, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and receive from Him anything we ask, because we obey His commands and do what pleases Him. And this is His command, verse 23, to believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as He commanded us. Those who obey His commands live in Him, and He in them. And this is how we know that He lives in us. We know it by the Spirit He gave us. Let's pray. If you would please join with me. We'll ask God's blessing on our understanding, time together in His Word. Father, thank You. Lord, would you, as we're going to talk about, even now settle our hearts, just settle us down and quiet our minds. And as Capono prayed, just, just so much happening. And just, it's been really, really hard to see our brothers and sisters in our Ohana and the neighboring island of Maui go through what they're going through. It's just unthinkable. And the suffering and the trauma of it. But You, O oh Lord, are the one who knows everything. And You know our hearts. You know how to settle our hearts. You know how to focus our attention on You, and not just get our attention, but, but keep it. Because our minds are prone to wander, especially with everything that is clamoring for our attention. In this, the last hour at the end of time, as things increasingly worsen, seemingly with each passing day. So Lord, would You now, this is our time together as a body of believers, as a church. This is our time together with You in Your Word. So would You minister to us? Would You speak into our lives in and through Your Word? Especially for anyone who maybe is here today or watching online that is really hurting, would You 
as only you can, comfort by the Holy Spirit and bind up that which has been torn and heal that which has been wounded and comfort the discouraged and strengthen the downcast, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in our time together in your word, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So what I want to talk with you about today is how it is that we can know we belong to the truth. And as such, by extension, knowing that we belong to the truth, how we can also set our hearts at rest in Him. Amen. I think you would agree with me that in this last hour of human history, as we know it, having a settled heart at rest, at peace in the Lord is needed now more than ever. And this is the God of peace, the peace of God from the God of peace who gives us that peace that settles our hearts. And that's what God wants to do for us today in and through this passage here in God's Word that's before us today. The Apostle John, inspired by the Holy Spirit, is going to explain to us how it is that we can actually attain a heart at rest. Key word attain, because it is attainable. It is achievable. It is practical. And we're going to see three practical and applicable truths from God's heart to our heart. This is from the heart of God who loves us so much to our hearts concerning how all of us can have a settled heart, not an unsettled heart. You know what I mean by a, an unsettled heart? where Jesus would say to the disciples, why would Jesus say this to the disciples, let not your hearts be troubled? Why would He say that? Because their hearts were troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be unsettled. And aren't you glad that God doesn't just say, just don't let your heart be troubled. Settle your heart by, and that was, I probably could have said that better, but you got the point, right? Aren't you glad? This is what I love about the Word of God and the God of the Word. He says, this is what you need to do. Now, here's how you can do it. How cruel would that be? If God did not package the Holy Spirit, the how of the Holy Spirit to do the what of the Holy Word. Did you imagine? Here's my word. I command you. 
I'll check back on you, see how you're doing in a couple of weeks. No. And John even says as much, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself. But He gives us the Holy Spirit who indwells us, empowers us, enables us. Because see, God, I, I hate to say it like this. I think you'll know what I mean when I say it like this. God has a problem. God doesn't have problems. But the problem is, is that God cannot be party to our disobedience. What do you mean? Well, God cannot, it's inconsistent and incompatible with the nature of God, who God is, how God is. God cannot command us to do something without not also enabling us to do that which He's commanded us to do, or He'll be party to our disobedience. That's impossible. Do you follow me? So He's saying, you can know that you're in the truth, and as such have a settled heart, because of the Holy Spirit indwelling you. This is how. This is the how. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how, and I'm going to enable you with the how, so that you can do it. Because I'm going to create an environment in your Christian life that is conducive to obedience. I want you to obey me, so I'm going to do everything and stop at nothing to create an environment that is conducive, to direct your paths, to direct your steps into the path of obedience. Because I want you to be obedient, and not just because I'm God, and I said so. No, because I love you. And a blessed life is an obedient life. And it goes the other way. A disobedient life is not a blessed life. I, I want you, think of it, parent, grandparent, with your children, grandchildren. Um, you have a, a son, a daughter, grandson, granddaughter that you love so much and they're in such turmoil. How's that going to make you feel? It's been rightly said that you're only as happy as your saddest child. Here you've got a child that is unsettled and riddled with anxiety and filled with fear. Well, you don't want that for them. You love them. So this comes from a loving Heavenly Father through His faithful servant, the Apostle John, writing for us, well nigh 2,000 years later, today, I want your heart to be settled. Let not your heart be troubled. How, Lord? So glad you asked. First, in verses 19 and 20, our hearts are at rest when we know all is known by God. Second in verses 21 and 22, it's because we have confidence before God. 
And third, in verses 23 and 24, it's because we have the Holy Spirit of God. That's how. Let's start with the first one. This is a biggie. We know all is known by God. That should settle us down. But the problem is, is that we don't pray like that. We don't act like that. What do you mean by that? Well, you know how it is when you pray, you're in a situation, you're going through a trial, you've got a, a very uh, difficult uh, set of circumstances before you, you're uh, really struggling and you're really hurting. And it's kind of like you've got to let God know about what happened. Why God is going, wait, when did this happen? No, He knows. He knows our hearts. He knows everything about everything that is happening in our lives. I, I mean, you know, we, when we pray, I have nothing wrong with it. It's not like God holds it against us or anything. I'm so glad He doesn't, because I, I do it to this day. You know, God, you know, the, what happened yesterday and last night, and you know, and then you start, I call them informational prayers, where you're informing God in your prayer about your prayer, so that He's informed, because apparently He doesn't know. And I could just picture God, I just, you know, I'm just talking about myself, JD, I know, I know, I know everything. I'm all-knowing. You know what all-knowing means? means you know all. So why does John then say that we can have a settled heart when we know that we're in the truth? Our hearts can still be settled when our hearts condemn us. Oh, interesting. Why, why would he include that? I, I almost wish he, he didn't, because that's what the enemy does to unsettle our hearts. Condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. But see, Satan knows the Bible better than you do, better than I do, better than we all ever will. And he knows that the one thing that can unsettle us is condemnation. Because what does condemnation do? It separates us from God. Not conviction. Conviction draws us nearer to God. So now I'm unsettled. Now I'm unsure. Now I'm uncertain. Now I don't have that confidence, as we're going to talk about next in verses 21 and 22. Now it's a little bit more ambiguous, because my heart is condemned. And, but God knows our hearts, and He knows everything about our situation. And we don't have to let Him know. He already knows. So maybe when we come to Him, the one who already knows our heart, and bring to Him our unsettled heart, maybe we can just start off with something like, I do this in my prayer journal, Lord, as you know, 
<laughs> no, I do, for real. And I don't even need spell check to check my spelling when I say that and type that. As you know, I kind of had a pretty rough day yesterday. Yeah, I know. It was a little bit unsettling. Yeah, I know. Well, let's settle it then. Because I know how to settle your heart. Because I know your heart. And so I'm going to settle your heart because you're in the truth. And when you're in the truth and know the truth, you're free from the condemnation. That, that which is unsettling your heart. Don't miss this, because it's going to be germane to our understanding of the second one. See, Satan knows that the deciding factor is our standing before God, our confidence before God, not in our own righteousness, but in His imputed righteousness. So He wants to, His sole goal is to unsettle us and to distance us from God, so that we don't have that confidence before God. I don't know if it's possible to overstate the paramount importance of what John writes here about a confidence before God. Not an arrogance. Confidence. A boldness. A, a sanctified, as one called it, holy boldness. Wow. How, how can you have such confidence before the Lord? Oh, when we're right with the Lord, we'll have confidence before the Lord, and receive anything we ask of the Lord. I mean, we're in the truth. We're walking in obedience. We're righteous before the Lord. What comes with that righteousness is a confidence before the Lord. And that's why it can't be overstated. This confidence in bringing our unsettled hearts to the Lord. We cast all of our cares upon Him, for He cares for us. We roll them off of ourselves. We throw them off and throw them onto Him, because He cares for us. And it's not just that He cares, He's going to take action. This is Hebrews 4.16, one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Don't laugh. You laughed. I told you not to laugh. You know this, right? Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Okay, just hang in there with me for a second here. Why is it that we hold back? Is it that we don't have the confidence that we can approach 
God's throne of grace? Why, why don't we have that confidence, that boldness? Because the enemy got to us and unsettled our hearts using the most powerful tool of condemnation to do so. And I better not ask the Lord for that. I mean, He's not going to, He's not going to answer that prayer. Wow. Wait. It says that I can approach the throne of grace not the throne of judgment, the throne of grace, with confidence. Now, when I approach the throne of grace with confidence, what's going to happen? I'm going to receive mercy and find grace to help in my time of need. I can have that confidence before God. I can approach the throne of grace with confidence and ask Him anything. Romans 8 verses 31 and 32, we've talked about this before. I think it is appropriate to talk about it again today. It is arguably the whole chapter, Romans 8, if if you're here today or watching online and you, you lack that confidence in God's love for you. You you start doubting, you've let the enemy get in and kind of unsettle you, and you're starting to doubt and question the love that God has for you, the confidence that you can have, the boldness that you can have in approaching God's throne of grace and ask Him for anything. You need to spend some time in the entirety of Romans chapter 8. I just quoted verse 1. One of the most well-known and often quoted verses is is Romans 8, 28. Who among us does not love that verse, that promise? Well, I'm going to draw your attention to verses 31 and 32. Listen to how Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit, couches this very important question. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, it's not, I hope God's for you. No. (laughs) Since God is for us, who can be against us? Now listen to verse 32. Here's the question. Now I want you to think this through. And that's the purpose of a question, isn't it? To make us think. We talked about this last week. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Good question. In other words, (laughs) if God was willing to give you because of his love for you, his only begotten son, and would not withhold him from you because of his love for you, is there anything that he would not give to you? How's your confidence level now? You know what? Sometimes I think we pray too small. 
and I'm convinced, not in a tone of disdain, certainly from the lips of the Savior, when He would ask the disciples, why did you doubt? Oh, ye of little faith. It's, it's like, why is your faith so little when your God is so big? You've got a God that was willing to give you His only begotten Son. Is there anything that He would be unwilling to do if He's willing to do that? Give me just another moment to share another verse. This is actually one of my life verses out of Psalm, the Psalms, Psalm 27, verses 13 and 14. Listen to David, ah, sweet psalmist of Israel. I am still confident of this, confident, still. In other words, he was starting to lose confidence. But he's still confident of this. What are you confident in, David? That I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then he says this. It's almost like he's having a talk with himself. This is different than self-talk. This is talking to self. It's like, sit down, boy, we need to talk. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. I know you're about to lose heart. In fact, another translation renders it this way. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and He shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. You're here today watching online. You're going through the trial of your life. And you're looking at this thing and you're thinking to yourself, man, I, I ain't making it out of this one. This is how it ends. I mean, this is really bad. And you're starting to lose heart, lose confidence in the goodness of God, the love of God for you. But then God rushes in and says, no, you can still have confidence. Don't lose heart. You'll see. Just wait. We talk about wait on the Lord, which by the way in Isaiah can also carry with it the meaning of waiting on the Lord, like serving the Lord as a, a waiting, a waiter, waiting on the Lord, serving the Lord. And then waiting on the Lord, you're waiting. But how about when you say wait for the Lord? That kind of changes the complexion of it a little bit, doesn't it? So there's this uh, implication or inference that there's some time that, that's gone by and it's 
this has been going on for so long and I'm very weary and I'm starting to lose heart and lose confidence that I'm going to see your goodness, Lord. I mean, this is really bad and I know you work all things together for the good, but I'm, I'm just not seeing it. And I'm losing heart. Well, this is what John is saying. He's saying that you can know that you're in the truth and have a settled heart, a confident heart in Him. Your confidence is in Him. You'll see. Wait, just wait. Wait for the Lord and you're going to see what He's going to do. Wait for the Lord and you're going to see the goodness of the Lord. Even in this. <laughs> Have you had a trial in your life where it was so bad you're like, God, I don't know how you're going to make good come out of this. And I'm pretty sure, and I, I think I bring this up every week, maybe this is an issue for me. I need to take it up with the Lord because of course He doesn't know. I need to inform Him. But um, I'm going to be the first human in human history that the promises of God, the Word of God does not apply. I mean, let's just go back to the aforementioned Romans 8.28, for God works all. We, we know, we know, now we hope, we wish, we know that God works all things together for the good. Okay. But there's one exception. There's this guy by the name of JD. Everything's going to work together for the good. God, God's going to work all things together for the good, except for that, that one guy, JD, that one situation that is, no. You'll forgive the silliness with which I illustrate that, but we do that. We do that. It's kind of like, wait a minute. God gave you His Word. God gave you His only begotten Son. God gave you His promise. He's going to do it. Yeah, but I don't know how. That's okay. He does. I don't know when. That's okay. He does. He's going to do it in His way, in His time, for His glory. I think they have a word for it. It's called faith. But see, everything within us wants to walk by sight. I want to see it, because after all, seeing is believing. Do you know that the opposite is true? Believe and you will see. <laughs> Isn't it interesting? I, I would have lost heart unless I had believed. I would have lost confidence. I would have given up. I would have tossed in the towel, except that I still believe that I'm going to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Okay, real talk. 
Don't you hate that when somebody says, can I be honest with you? It's like, wait, everything you said up to this point wasn't honest? That's not what I was saying. When I say real talk, I want to get real, okay? Just want to, I want to talk to you from the heart here, okay? Because sometimes there are those times in our lives where <laughs> Psalm 27, 13 and 14 become very real. And you cast your cares on the Lord. He cares for you. You still have confidence in the Lord. He loves you. There's nothing He's going to withhold from you. If it's good, He's going to give it to you. And then your heart settled for, I'll use myself as an example. I'm good for 10 minutes. Oh, come on, you're more spiritual than me, right? What, you go a half hour? Then all of a sudden your heart gets unsettled again. So what do you do? You go back and you repeat. And I will share with you very openly, very candidly, that there have been times in my life where I've had to do this repeatedly, sometimes several times, just within an hour, where the trial is so intense, the spiritual warfare is so horrendous that your, your heart is settled. <laughs> you, you confidently go to His throne of grace. You petition His throne. He settles your heart. You're good. 20 minutes later, oh God. <laughs> and you're right back there. But here's what happens. It becomes less frequent. It's what is known as a disciplined mind. So when Paul writes to Timothy, we quote it often. I think we don't maybe understand it. Uh, God's not given us a spirit of fear. The Holy Spirit does not give us fear, but power and love and a disciplined mind. You know, like we discipline our children, we have to discipline our minds. Take every thought captive into the obedience of Christ. There has to be a discipline. Discipline our mind. Hey, no, 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 not so fast. Here comes that thought. Satan puts that thought. He wants to unsettle you. He wants to put fear in you. And you, you know what it sounds like. You know what it looks like in your life. It's probably very similar to, to, to my life. It's the, it's the what if. What if. And Satan will take you down that what if road as far as you'll let him. And isn't it amazing that we can manufacture the most horrendous scenarios of what if. And Satan's right there going, what if? And you're like, oh, I never, oh, that yeah, and then, and then what if? And then, and then, and then I'm right back to the, oh, Lord. Lord's like, I know. You're back. I was expecting you. <laughs> won't be as long, or maybe it'll be a little bit longer next time, but uh, settle down. 
I got you. You'll see. And you can have the confidence knowing that you're going to see the goodness of the Lord in that situation that you're in, as bad as it is. One last thing, and we'll go to the last, uh, the third one. Sometimes I find it necessary to do it vocally, and I'll explain what I mean. Sometimes the spiritual warfare in my life is, is so intense that I have to speak, vocalize God's Word out loud because then I'm also hearing myself, and it's coming in through the ear gate. And how does faith come? By hearing the Word of God. Um, also, it drives Satan crazy. He can't stand it. So I have to, I'll pray the Word and the promise. I'll. I'll I'll put the Scripture, like a Psalm 27, 13, and 14, I'll put it into a prayer form. Example, Lord, I'm, I'm losing heart. Please strengthen my heart, settle my heart. Restore to me that confidence in You that I will see Your goodness. And, and, and I'll speak it out loud, and it changes the it changes the, 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 the dynamic, for lack of a better word. And I, and I notice now that I'm, I'm, I'm more settled. The peace comes. I, I don't worry about no thing because I pray about everything and thank Him for anything. And then that's when that peace surpassing human understanding keeps your heart settled and your mind. In fact, it's almost like Paul inspired by the Holy Spirit is saying, here's how you worry about nothing. You pray about everything. You thank Him for anything. And, and what God's going to do is He's going to go over your head. He's going to bypass your mind, the logic. He's going to go right to the heart. Because notice He says, and He'll keep your hearts and minds. Because see, it, this peace of God from the God of peace bypasses, surpasses, transcends human understanding. See, if it has to go through the mind first, the mind's going, uh-uh. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. Have you seen this situation right now? I, I, I can have peace right now. I don't think so. That's why he has to go around, surpass bypass the human understanding. Because logically, the, the circumstances contradict the promise of God. You know what I mean by that? And, and, and they're, they're yelling, they're yelling at you like I'm yelling at you right now. The circumstances are yelling at you going, you think you're going to have peace in this? You know, and they're like, that makes any sense? 
And, you, and you're going, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. That's why God says, well, can we, we, we can't go through the mind then. We got to bypass the mind. Because humanly, logically, the human understanding, this is not going to work. So we're going to go right to the heart. And the heart's going to send an email to the mind saying, it's good. Was that too much? That's what he's saying. A settled heart is a settled mind. A quieted heart is a quieted mind. And sometimes I think that our minds are our worst enemy, because we're operating in the the realm of the logic instead of the, the realm of the Spirit. Because everything logically makes no sense whatsoever. There's no way, humanly speaking, well, that's your problem right there. Humanly speaking, humanly speaking, that is illogical. Oh, I didn't know we were in the realm of the logical and not in the realm of the supernatural. God wants to do something in the realm of the supernatural. This is a supernatural piece. What's supernatural? It, it's, <laughs> it's supernatural. I mean, it's, it's not natural. It's, it's above natural. It's beyond natural. It transcends natural. It's not logical. Well, sometimes God wants to do that. In fact, I would venture to say most all the time God wants to do that. Because if it were logical, then we would not give God the glory. Because you're looking at this situation and God's going to do it in such a fashion that there's no way that there's any other logical explanation for it other than God did it. That's the only way. Because So your co-workers, your friends, your family members, your in-laws, your outlaws, you know who I'm talking about. You know, the ones that give you a hard time. Don't preach to me. You try to share. And they just stop inviting you over to their place for a barbecue. And then you get the message. Um, They're watching though. And (laughs) they see what's going on in your life. They see your circumstances. They see the difficulty you're in. They see the furnace of affliction that you're in. And and maybe they're not the reason. So don't, don't like, you know, put it on them. But maybe part of the reason you're going through what you're going through is for them. (laughs) See, now I know what you're thinking. You're looking going, you mean I'm going through this trial for them? What? No, that's not what I'm saying. But they, they're going to watch and see something in the supernatural that surpasses human understanding. And they're going to see God do something miraculous in your life. And it's going to have an impact on their life. Do you ever think about it like that? I went way off of what I had in my notes. So how about I bring us back to the sermon already in progress with the last one. 
in verses 23 and 24. You're very gracious to me, by the way. Thank you. I mean, this is the icing on the cake, as they say. The Holy Spirit of God indwelling us. Thank you, John. Thank you, Lord, for inspiring John to write this. I mean, if you really think about it, the only way we'll ever have hope to have a settled heart at rest is vis-a-vis the indwelling and the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Think about it. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, a settled heart. It's the Holy Spirit indwelling us. You know, as a kid, I, I heard this all the time. Uh, you probably heard it too. Settle down. Oh, maybe you like this one better. This is, this is an old school one. Simmer down. Oh, nasally, simmer down. Well, sometimes that's what the Holy Spirit is. Let the Holy Spirit be the umpire is the original word in the Greek. Rule in your hearts. So, if it, you know, baseball. I think I, did I bring up baseball last week? I didn't even know they still had baseball. So you got the umpire behind the catcher, right? Behind the uh, home plate. And the umpire rules strike or help me out here because ball or strike. Thank you. See, I told you I don't get out at all. You used to say I don't get out much. I don't get out at all. We were talking about baseball. I should use things I know about. Uh, say it again. I'm sorry. Out, ball or strike? Strike or ball? Yeah. The umpire calls it, right? The umpire makes the ruling, right? So here, here comes the pitch. Are we okay? I'm going to, I won't go too far. <laughs> here comes the pitch. And here's the umpire, the Holy Spirit, uh, ball, it's out, right? You're also, you, you also feel sorry for me, I know you do. The umpire makes the ruling. Let the umpire of the Holy Spirit rule in your heart. Now that's out! <laughs> that still didn't work. Help me out, Lord. It's, it's, you're out. Thank you. That wasn't, it's not the pitch. It's when the, the bases, the, yeah. Maybe they shouldn't have baseball anymore. Just for me. <laughs> Safer out. That's what I was trying to say. I'm so sorry. The umpire of the Holy Spirit says safe. You can come on in. Out. You're out of here. Oh, in fact, okay, I'm going to redeem myself right now. Some of those umpires are pretty dramatic, you know, demonstrative. You're out. There we go. There's that one. I redeemed myself, didn't I? I'll never do that again. 
So I have the Holy Spirit <laughs> trying to keep my heart settled. And nothing's going to come in if the Holy Spirit's the umpire making the ruling. No, you're out. Because <laughs> that's going to unsettle me. That's going to put fear in me. That's going to shake my confidence in the Lord. That's going to bring condemnation into my heart. That's going to start getting me to doubt the goodness of the Lord. You're not coming in. It's not safe. Not safe. Thank you, God, the Holy Spirit. And by the way, it's God, the Holy Spirit. When Jesus <laughs> told the disciples, you know, and Peter, of course, bless his heart, fights him on it. And I don't want you to leave. Don't go. Yeah, but I have to go. Because if I don't go, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. Yeah, but we don't want you to go. We, we've had you with us. Oh, but you want me to go because now instead of being with you, I'm going to be in you. Oh, do you understand that? I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago, but the God, the Holy Spirit is indwelling us, living inside of us. You know what that means, right? What we watch online, He sees it. And He's grieved. God forbid, quenched. Because He indwells us. You're in a conversation with somebody and they're talking stink about your pastor. <laughs> Use that example, because everybody has roast preacher for dinner on Sunday nights. The Holy Spirit is grieved inside of you. That's not edifying. The whole, God, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Do you realize what that means? Everything you do, everything you say, everything you watch, every conversation you're in, God the Holy Spirit is in you. And, and, and don't blow Him off. Because when the Holy Spirit speaks, He speaks in a still, small, refining voice, almost like a whisper. No! No, that's not safe. That's not good. Don't let that in. You let that into your heart. And it's not going to be good. Now you're going to lose confidence in the Lord. You're going to have doubts about the Lord. You're going to feel condemned before the Lord. And the Holy Spirit is, is there to help us. He's the, he's the parakletos. He comes alongside the helper. And there's three Greek pronouns, and I'll, I'll close with this, used 
of the work of the Holy Spirit. Para, N, and the P. Para is where we get English words like paralegal, paramedic, parachute, parallel, comes alongside the paracletos, the Holy Spirit, comes alongside of us to help us. But then when we give our lives to Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, E-N, indwells us. So now we have the Holy Spirit alongside, but we also have the Holy Spirit in us, indwelling us. But then the third one is epi, E-P-I. It's the English word upon. Well, what does that mean? That means the Holy Spirit has come upon you, not just be alongside you or in you, but upon you and is filling you to overflowing so that your life becomes like a torrent, a torrent of living water. Have you seen how powerful water is? You know, on the mainland, they use, they harness the power of water for electricity. They built dams, so powerful. When you see video of floods, the, the flood water so powerful, carrying a whole house downstream like a toothpick. So powerful the Holy Spirit is. Dunamis in the Greek, dunamis, where you get our English word dynamite. That's power. Illustration, lastly, this will be the last, my final closing, right here. Best illustration I ever heard. We appreciate this here in Hawaii, right? So you got a, a canoe, and it's on the beach, and you want to get it into the water. And it's a big canoe. So you get all your brothers to help you push this canoe, or pick it up, but you got to push it in the water. And you're pushing it in that sand, and you're pushing and striving and using a lot of your own energy. And then all of a sudden the tide comes, the water comes, effortlessly takes the canoe and puts it in the water. You're like, wow, why didn't I think of that? That's the Holy Spirit in our lives. Here we are striving in the energy of our own flesh, pushing, driving, striving, sweating, toiling. And the Holy Spirit's going, what are you doing? The, the power of the Holy Spirit effortlessly. You know, the priests, okay, this is the last, last one. In the, the service in the tabernacle, then the temple. They could not wear garments that would make them sweat, because that's the flesh. And the garments had to cover their flesh, so when the priests would step up to the altar, no flesh could be shown, because no flesh will glory in His presence. You know, the Christian that is to be the most pitied is the one that is trying to live the Christian life in the energy of their own flesh, and not the power of the Holy Spirit. No wonder your heart's not settled. You have, you have every right <laughs> to have an unsettled heart. But when the Holy Spirit indwells you, empowers you, 
fills you to overflowing. You're filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in the Holy Spirit. <laughs> he does it for you instead of you indwelling you. How about that? It's not you. Holy Spirit, holy life. Holy Spirit, settled heart. Maybe we have to ask the Lord to search our hearts today and see what it is that has unsettled us, and then ask Him to remove it. He, he will, and He'll do it gently. He'll take whatever it is that is unsettling you from you, and settle you in Him. Kapono, come on up. Let's stand up, let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Lord, whenever I close in prayer, I'm always keenly made aware that I, as privileged as I am to every week, I, I speak to a hurting people whose hearts are troubled especially with everything that's going on in the world today, and certainly here on the islands. And, and on top of that, just what's happening in our lives personally, the turmoil and the affliction and the trials and the tribulations. And, Lord, thank You that we can bring a troubled heart to You who knows our heart, to settle our heart. Thank You for the Holy Spirit indwelling us, to rule our hearts. Lord, for anyone, and I just no, I'm speaking to more than one who brought to church today a very painful situation that has not just unsettled their heart, but has really hurt their heart deeply. Their heart is broken. Thank you, Lord, that you're close to the brokenhearted and you heal the broken hearts. Would you, God, not just settle that broken heart and heal that broken heart, but just strengthen, embolden with that much needed reminder that they can still have that confidence in your goodness, no matter how bad their situation is. <laughs> Even if you wanted to, you couldn't tell us what you're going to do, because we wouldn't believe it. So Lord, until then, we're just going to trust you and wait for you. 
So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. To God be the glory, great things He had done. So love He the world that He gave us His Son, who yielded His life and atonement for our sin, and opened the life key that all may go in. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the earth hear His voice. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Let the people rejoice. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son and give Him the glory. Great things He had done. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord.